Uh, last night I was uh, really struggling to sleep, and I was wrestling with uh, just a couple of things. And one of the things I was wrestling with was the message that I had originally planned for today. And that's not uncommon for me, um, so it's, I'm, I'm used to that, but sometimes I feel led to go in a different direction, and sometimes I don't. And so I woke up around 4 a.m. this morning, and I was still wrestling with it, and then I woke up again at 6, and I was still wrestling with it. And I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, you have to change it. So I, first and foremost, I want to apologize to Brittany. <laughs> she writes our small group material, and I gave this to her way in advance. And so everything that's in your small group sheet, none of that's going to be talked about today. <laughs> so I, I apologize to her. Hopefully she is, is forgiving of me. Um, small group leaders, if you're in the room, if you're watching, um, please take some detailed notes. I will do you a favor and send Brittany my scribblings from 4 a.m. I will text her that or get that to her today so you can have that um, to, to have some discussion. But it's my prayer that what we talked about, what we talk about today, is going to be simple enough for you, for you to discuss. Um, the reason why I was wrestling is because, you know, just, just, you know, you have your sheet so you can see it. I had originally planned on talking about just the thankfulness of, of God, but I, I just felt like this, I, I felt like the Lord just wanted me to share this other thing instead. And so if you can turn your Bibles over to 1 Timothy. Uh, I actually don't have a lot to say today. Um, part of the reason being is because I think Paul has done an excellent job of saying what I'm going to, to affirm. Uh, also today, uh, I, I really want, I, my, my posture is, you know, from, from my pastor's heart, is I, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, please, 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 please make a commitment to do the things that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Make a commitment to do the things that Paul is saying to Timothy and to this church. Um, it's not complicated. It is not the level of of difficulty isn't, isn't that high, but it does require consistency. It does require, it does require faith. And so I want to pray, and then we will, we'll begin. Was that me, or do I, am I good? Okay. Okay, cool. Just want to make sure it wasn't me. We're gracious with those guys. Their job's tough. Let's pray for them, and we'll pray for our service. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. I mean, pray that you just minimize our distractions, the internal ones, the external ones, like sound problems. Uh, we pray that you would just, just help us to be focused on, on you. Uh, pray that we would uh, not be so concerned about ourselves or about, about anything that really forces us to be or aids us in being selfish. Pray that you would just convict us and that we would um, just, just lean into what you have, have for us this morning. Thank you so much for this opportunity, for the gift of your word, and for the opportunity to, to preach and speak in this setting. I pray that everything that is said today would give you honor and glory. I pray that this will always be about you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump around just a little bit. Um, so you may gonna have to 
spend some time reading First Timothy on your own. But I want to start in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. It says, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations, rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either way, either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, we know that the law is good. If anyone uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed from me, for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who, who were to believe in him for external life. To the king of the ages, immoral, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. I charge this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Man, it's always sad to see. And among our Hermenes and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that I may learn not to blaspheme. Turn over to chapter 3 real quick. Verse 14. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess in the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believe, believed on in this world, taken up in glory. Point number one, I'm begging you, please pursue holiness and godliness. Pursue holiness and godliness. Paul is saying to Timothy, he's like, hey, you know what, remember that you have saving faith? 
And remember that saving faith produces a certain type of behavior. It produces a certain type of action. It is always a sad day when we see people who make a shipwreck of their faith. I mean, there, there is literally hundreds of things that I could say to you, but I have just these few things. And the first one is, please pursue holiness and godliness. Pursue it in every avenue of your life. Pursue it with what you say, with what you think, with what you read, with what you watch, how you spend your money as a mother, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a grandmother, as a grandfather, as an employer, as an employee, for the love of God, please pursue holiness. Holiness and godliness through the power of the Holy Spirit is our, it's our superpower. It really is. Every single time we see believers, every time we see the church compelled to pursue holiness and godliness, great things always happen. Most people, especially people who were saved in adulthood, chances are they were exposed to the gospel by someone who felt compelled to live, to live their life out. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very careful how I say this. I'm not, I'm not trying to make it. Don't, don't focus so much on the political side of what I'm about to say. I know, I know we're using phrases like, you know, in this time and things that are happening today and, you know, these days and, and you know how it is today. We, we, we say things like that. And we say that in a reference to, obviously, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We say that in a reference to, you know, the, the social unrest of, of our country. We say that in reference to the political standing of, of the country. And I really believe this. I really do. I'm not saying this because I feel, like I, I feel like I have to say this. I really do believe this. I really do believe that in every single area that is difficult right now in life for us, if we, the believer, if we, if we exhibit a high level of godliness, a high level of holiness, it's you. You're the one that can change the world. It's me. I'm the one that can do it. And so, yes, life is difficult. And yes, there are so many things that's going on. And yes, when you turn the TV on, it just seems like one bad thing after another bad thing. It seems like everyone just wants to fight. It seems like that's, it seems like that's the order of the day. But what I don't see very often, and I know part of that is because they don't put us on display, so I know that. But what we can do a better job of is we, we have a fight too. I don't know about you, but I love fighting. Absolutely love it. I love it. I, I get so excited when somebody in their ignorance wants to challenge what I believe. And in love and in grace and in mercy and all the things, I am ready to go. I tell people, like, and I know some of it, some of it is some arrogance and some pride that God's working out, but like, I'm not about to lose. Like, I'm not, I'm not losing any, I'm not losing any fight in conversation about who my God is. Ain't happening. I'm not losing. It's not gonna happen. So, if you don't believe me, come at me. <laughs> I'm not gonna lose. I'm not. And guess what? Every time that I have been stumped or every time that I have hit a wall, it, it, it breaks me in half. I, can't, I cannot handle not knowing. I can't. I can't. If someone asks me a question about what I believe and I stumble or I buckle, 
it, it, it breaks me. And so I want to beg you to have that same attitude. Trust me, if we pursue holiness and godliness and put that God on display, we could change the world. We really can. The second thing, and it goes right in connection with what I'm saying, point number two is we need to tell others about Christ. We really do. I don't mean this in the old school way, nothing against the old school way. I'm not being disrespectful to that. I, I'm, from that I'm from that age where you know, we spent weekends knocking on doors and handing out tracks and being chased by dogs. Um, I lived that life when I was a kid. So uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is we need, we need to tell people about Jesus. We, need, we really do. Uh, your story is extremely unique, and you need to stop thinking that it's not. I'm going to say that again. Your story is extremely unique, and you need to stop thinking that it's not. I have people say to me all the time, man, I wish I was as interesting as you. I'm like, you are. You just don't believe that. You're not tapping into the story that God has given you. Like, none of you are never going to be Cedric, so don't try. And I don't want to be you. I'm not going to try because God didn't give me that story. But here's the thing. Along with every single salvation story is the story of God. Along with every salvation story is the story of God. Like, the story of God showed up in five-year-old Cedric's life, and now you see what you see. The story of God showed up when it showed up in your life, and we need to tell others about Christ. Uh, I'm going to read this. It's, it's, not, it's not comfortable, and it's a little depressing, but we have to read it because it's in Scripture. Chapter 4, look at it with me. Now, the Spirit expressly says, I'll wait for you to get there. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves, and I'm putting this in there just because this helps me, to garbage. This is what the garbage looks like. Deceitful spirits and teachings of, teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciousness are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods, which is a great study, by the way. Just let me tell you real quick. So what was going on in Ephesus is there were some people who believed that they were so holy that they was abstaining themselves from food and sex, and they were saying that this shows their holiness. And Paul is saying to Timothy, that's just a bunch of trash. Let's keep going. Um, that God created by receiving with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Here we go. This is us, a good servant of Christ Jesus. If you put these things before brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Be trained in the words of the faith. Let's pause for a second. Be trained in the words of the faith. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to agitate you. But I know that some of you say things like, I just don't know how to read my Bible. I just don't know where to start. I fall asleep every time I read it. Um, honestly, that's just a level of immaturity in faith, and you need to grow out of that. Um, God is patient with that, but there's no other way to be trained in the words of Scripture outside of reading it, studying it, and being in settings like this. And so that's, that's, this is what God has given us, and so we have to use what he gave us. Be trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Listen to this. This is, this is, very, this is very important, have, because this is going to aid in your training. Remember, if we spend too much time on one thing, it always robs from another thing. Verse 7, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, 
silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, which means it's appropriate for us as believers to say, sorry, I don't have a lot of time to spend discussing and spending time on trash. I don't. I really don't. Sorry, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ, and as your pastor, I'm begging you, just don't. And guess what? It's comfortable to say that to someone. So like, you know what? I really don't have that much time to spend on this because it's going to take away from this other thing. Also, and I know this is difficult, but please just do it. Do it, do it, do it in grace and mercy and love. But some of you are friends with other believers. They just like, they just like garbage. They just like to talk about silly things. And just say, hey, you know what? I love you enough to say we, we, need to, we need to lower the amount of silliness we talk about. And we need to raise the amount of godliness we talk about. Trust me, they're not going to like you in the moment. You may not hear from them for a couple weeks, but they'll appreciate it. They will. The Holy Spirit will convict them, and they will appreciate that. And please, do that, do that in love. We, we, we could be loving when we say that. And so, he says, rather train yourself for godliness for a while. Bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise to the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believer, the believer as an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, which is what we're doing right now, to, the ex- to exhortation, which is what we're doing, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which has been given you by prophecy when the council, when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on teaching. On the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Tell others about Christ. Your story is a lot more unique than you realize. Stop thinking that you're not as important as anybody else. Your salvation story runs parallel to the story of God. Somebody has to hear it. It's imperative that we tell the story of what God has done in our lives. Number three. We need to support the local church. We need to support the local church. And I would even argue that we need to support the local church as well as the global church. We need to support both, both of those. Um, excuse me. <coughs> In chapter 3, if you, if you turn your eyes to chapter 3, uh, I'm not going to read all of it but I want you to be aware of where it is. In chapter 3, we see the qualifications for, for church leaders. We see the qualifications for overseers. And I think this is important that we remember that these are qualifications. These are things that God has called us to. These are not personality traits. These are not personality traits. I think this is important for you to be reminded of my personality is unlike any other pastor's personality. Pastor Eric's personality is unlike anybody else's personality. Pastor Mark, God help us. 
I love that man. I talked to him last two weeks ago. His personality is unlike anybody else's personality. If you know that man, you know there ain't no two marks. Right? It's not. Pastor Zach's personality is not my personality. And we could go on and on and on. But the important thing is, we are called to the same qualifications. We agonize over it. We pray over it. We agonize over it. We slave over it. It it causes us to be sleepless. It causes us to love when we don't want to. We show up when we don't want to. And what makes that so much easier to do, what makes that so much more joyous to do, is when we have your support. It does. It really, really does. I will never forget the story. And I'm not saying it in a negative way because it really didn't hurt my feelings. I understood the context of it. When I was first brought on as a pastor here, I had somebody say to me, what are you going to do? And their context wasn't, their question wasn't, what was my job? They were like, how is someone like you going to pastor here? And I said to them, I don't know. (laughs) It's a great question because I'm trying to figure out why I'm here too. But when I look at the qualifications and the things that I'm called to, I'm called to do these things that First Timothy has laid out, and I'm called to preach the word the way it is, and I'm called to use the gift that God has given me within the context of how he's made me. And so, and I know we, have to grow, we have to grow through this. I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I know it's not, it's not something that happens right away. There's a growth process. But you need to learn to grow to support the church, the local church, and their leaders in the context of who God has made them, as long as we are doing what we're called to do. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. There's a huge learning curve, but we need your support. Pray for us. Say nice things to us. Encourage us. If you have a concern, please bring the concern to us. If you have a complaint, bring that to us as well. But if you have something negative to say, say that to the trees and then go pray about it. Because it, it hurts. It really does. It, it really does. And sometimes that's because we let our own pride get in the way, or we let our own things, we let, you know, we let, we let Satan distract us with things. But, but there's, there's nothing like being a part of a local body when we have the support, the support of the people. You know, we joke as pastors all the time that this job would be so much easier if it wasn't, if it didn't have to do with people. We, we said it all the time. We're like, yeah, you know, if we were pastoring people, this would be a great job. <laughs> but the reality is that if we weren't pastoring people, we would have no job. You're the best part of this. You really are, for real. Even, though, even, even those of you that are super difficult, you're the best part. You are. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, hey, remember what the qualifications are. Teach sound doctrine. Rem- like, encourage people to pursue godliness, encourage them to, to bring what God has gifted them with to the table, because I don't care if you agree or disagree, the reality is tr- this is true. There's only so much that we can do as the leaders. There's only so much we can do. You, you have an incredible job, an incredible responsibility to help share the gospel, to further the kingdom, and to support the local church, and its leaders. This is the last thing I want to say. 
uh, we need, you need to increase your prayer life. Uh, let's turn over to chapter, chapter 2. You know, every year, Barna, which is a Christian organization that conducts research um, for evangelicals and churches, and, and, and they, you know, they, they conduct a number of layers of research to church life and, and Christian, Christian life and Christian behavior. And one of the most astonishing pieces of statistic that they give out every year is how often people, how often believers pray. And it's always extremely low. And so we just don't pray as much as we should. And we don't pray like, like, like we're called to. We, you know, our, our prayers sometimes get, they get a little off track. And so, again, I'm begging you to, to increase your prayer life. Let's look at what Paul says. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, it's very important to know if you're taking notes or if you highlight in your Bible, understand that these are different layers of prayers, if you will. These are different tiers, if you will. Supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving. Supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving. That's what, that's what we should be doing. That's, that should be, that's what our prayer life should look like. This should be made for all people. For all people. For all people. And if you're confused by that, that word there is anthropos. That's everybody. For kings and for all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I'm going to say this because it agitates me. And so if, it, if you disagree, then I guess there's nothing I can do about it. But I, I get agitated when I hear believers say things like, I'm not praying, I'm not praying for the president. He's not my president. I'm like, that is, that's not the pursuit of godliness. And it's, that's, that's just plain old immaturity. <laughs> like, don't do that. Like, I'm not praying for this person. Like, don't do that. The Bible says pray for kings, pray for everybody that's in position. Pray for your boss. Pray for the person that works next to you. It says pray for all people. And I get it. I'm, I get frustrated with that too. I'm like, you know, the Lord puts someone on my mind and sometimes my first reaction is like, I'm praying for them today, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so I get it. I feel, I feel the same way that you do. But, you know, I get convicted and I'm like, no, I, it, I'm called to pray for them. I'm, I'm called to to intercede and, and you know, pray for those. So we need, to, we need to remember to do that. Pray for kings and all those in high positions that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good. And it's also pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. And ma- the man... Christ Jesus, who gave his life as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. I love that. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire that in every place, the men should pray. In every place, the men should pray. Again, I'm going to say this because it agitates me, but let's, let's, you know, let's, let's mature through some of these difficult things. Uh, men, you just need to be comfortable praying, seriously. You know, as, as I pastored, there's been a number of, of circles, and I was like, hey, let's open a prayer. Will somebody pray? And a lot of times it's the women that's praying, and nothing wrong with that. Women, we, we, we like you praying too, but guys, you got to step it up. 
We, we need to pray. We really do. It's an encouragement. Husbands, it is a great encouragement to your wife and to your family when they hear you pray with them and for them. It is a great encouragement to your wife and to your family when they hear you pray with them and for them. Just get over yourself and do it. Just, just, just don't worry about all those things. Don't worry about how you sound and what words to use. Just pray with thanksgiving. Give God honor and glory. Intercede on behalf of your family and ask God to help you. That's all you got to do. Trust me. Trust me. It is a great encouragement to those around you um, when we pray. I desire that in every, this is verse 8, chapter 2. I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, uh, just, to, just for some context, just so you know. What was happening at Ephesus was there was a number of women in the church who was putting pressure on other women in the church to dress a certain way and look a certain way and wear a certain thing. And they were saying to those women that their level of holiness was below because they didn't present themselves a certain way. And so Paul is saying, that's not what it's about. So just for context. Uh, verse 10, but, with the proper, but what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works? Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. Again, just for context, uh, there were some women at the church who were trying to usurp the, the, the church structure. They wanted to be at the top. So that learn quietly. Uh, men don't use that to your advantage because that's not what that means. That doesn't mean woman quiet. That's not what that means. <laughs> what was going on was there were some women who, who were basically trying to take over the church. And so Paul was saying, hey, remind them that they need to understand where their responsibility lies. That's what he's saying. So let them learn quietly with all submiss submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. And he goes on to, to finish the rest. And so the last thing is we, we need to increase we need to increase our prayer life. And so as I, as I was laying there and thinking through this, I was like, Lord, I'm not sure why you want me to give this, but I feel like I'm being obedient to what he asked me to do. And this is what I wrote down, and this is the text that came to mind, and this is what I have, this is what I have for you. Pursue holiness and godliness. Tell others about Christ support the local church, and pray for everyone. Uh, I want to close in prayer, and then I have one or two things to say, and then we'll be done. Uh, Lord, we thank you so much for, for today, for your word. Uh, we know that you orchestrated today to be the way it is for a reason, and so we pray that we would be, we'd be attentive to what, to what that is. Uh, I know that this portion of Scripture is convicting to me, and I pray that it would be convicting to others and that we would be convicted to the point of obedience. I pray that we would just be more committed to you and to your way than we ever have before in the past. Uh, I love you, and I thank you so much for what you have done and what you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, I don't want to make this long and drawn out. It's simple. I love you, and I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I am so thankful that you've given me the opportunity to pass to you. I'm thankful that you trusted God enough 
that he sent me to do that. And so I, I'm, I am eternally grateful for what God has done in my life through you and through this local church. Uh, I am committed to praying for you. I will always be committed to praying for you. So I am so, so, so thankful. Well, we are so incredibly thankful for Pastor Cedric and his time here on our staff, and I'm thankful for his, uh, his friendship and his companionship here on this team, and he is going to be missed. I, I'm not an emotional person. I wasn't prepared for some of the emotions that I was going to process today, but um, I'm thankful for his ministry. I'm thankful for that challenge this morning. Appreciate that greatly. For those of you who have not been here, you didn't know Pastor Cedric is moving to Georgia. Uh, he's accepted a call there, and today is his final day with us. And so we actually have a time of just fellowship planned as soon as we dismiss here down in our Family Life Center where you'll be able to stop by and talk to Cedric and Jessica and Boston. We have some foods down there. You'll be able to drop some cards if you would like to do that. And we have something else that we're going to present to him down there as well. So we want to thank you all so much for being here today, and we'll see you down there. All right. See ya.